Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Kearns, and today we have a very special guest, a red-hot author, Leslie Klinky. Welcome. Hi, Bradley. <laughs> we are all so excited because this book has been a dream of yours and also ours for, oh, about a year and a half now when you first started hanging around the office, making yeah. making it known that you had uh, a, you know, a, a, a pet project going. And here it is, the culmination, the release of Paleo Girl. Yes. Tell us about how this whole process has gone from start to finish. Oh, man, this was such a journey. I mean, we could we could take this story way back, but I guess I'll just start with, you know, hanging out with you guys at Oxnard, really getting to know um, the rest of the Primal team. Um, I knew Liz, um, which I'm sure we'll get to that backstory, but, you know, meeting you guys and having the opportunity to pitch such an incredible concept for a book was really where it, it started. After I got back from Oxnard, I put a pitch together for Mark and for you. And um, actually, it started with a children's book. That was something that I always had on my bucket list. Put a pitch together. You guys loved it. But while we were um, discussing the details of the book, the conversation kind of shifted to, um, well, how powerful would it be if we targeted the teen audience, you know, the the demographic that would be between the kids book and what the primal blueprint is, um, because that's such a large group of people that need something. Um, so uh, as soon as I got home that night, I, I started on my pitch for um, for Paleo Girl, which then it was the primal teen. That's kind of where it started. And I just I basically laid everything out that night. The chapters as they appear in the book now is is basically what I pitched to you guys. And, you know, of course, I broke down the demographic and, you know, the goal that I had with this book and um, pitched it to you guys. And, and that's where this all started. You know, Leslie, I forgot all about that, that this started as a children's books concept. Yep. Um, and that's so interesting because we do get pitched a ton with everybody's got a great idea about a kid's book based on the primal or the paleo lifestyle. And we always had a design to do one when the right project came along. But then when we were sitting with you and learning more about your background, we realized there's really nothing that's ever been written in this space to the young reader, to the to the teenage person that can read and absorb you know, a, a proper... Uh, instructional and motivational message. So we got really excited when you sent the proposal back with the focus on the teenage girl audience. Right. I mean, you know, health is something that's been on my radar for a very long time. So to me, it was just I wanted to write the book that I wish I had when I was a teenager. You know, it's pretty, pretty simple. (laughs) 
Well, you really did just that with this book because obviously you're talking about the basics. You're setting the stage for the primal or the paleo living strategy with the dietary elements and the exercise elements. But then you went really deep in this thing and you'd covered all all aspects of of the challenges of growing up. I mean, there's there's comments about moods and uh, puberty and motivation and goal setting and things that, um, you know, I, I don't think kids get this in school. They they get the basics of health education and sex ed and all that. But this thing is really like a, a companion guide. And I think that's the probably the most outstanding element of it. Can you tell us some of the some of the content that went in there? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's something I really wanted to focus on because, you know, people can look up, oh, this is what you should eat and this is what you should need or this is how you should exercise. And people tend to think that, you know, a healthy lifestyle begins there. And I feel like that's completely backwards. You can't get, you know, in great shape and have those six pack abs and all of that if if you're not happy. Like for me, that's really where it begins. And I think that our goals should be to be happy and be healthy and start with those basics. Because once you get those things in check, everything else can come into alignment. So I really wanted to talk about all of the drama that teens go through. Because I think sometimes, not just teens, but everyone, I feel like a lot of times we suffer silently. And we feel like our problems are these unique problems that no one else can understand. And really, that's not the truth at all. We're all going through the same problems. And I think that if we just open up and discuss those things that we won't feel so alone and that we can start, you know, fixing who we are inside. And from there, that's where you can really experience true health, because when when your goals are to be happy, you know, it's it's not hard to want to take care of yourself. Hey, that's great. I, I love that that sentiment. And I think it's you're right for for all age groups. All of us are subject to these distorted cultural values that lead us in the wrong direction and, and promote the superficial elements of, of health and happiness and, and, and the six pack on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> right. Um, but it's just, you know, the, the young, the young person is especially vulnerable because they're just growing up and they're being exposed and they're being molded and shaped and they haven't had time to form completely. And so they get slammed, I think worse than anyone with the, the messaging and the marketing. So yeah, I think yeah. it's it's really dangerous. And I think that, you know, I talk about this in the book that, you know, it's hard to not want to be the cover girl. You look at that girl that's on the cover that's perfect, has flawless skin, perfect hair, like, you know, and I, I go through and I break all that down. And I want girls to understand that that's not real, you know, and we look at this stuff and we set such high standards for ourselves. And then we hate ourselves when, you know, we can't lose body fat or, you know, when we're broken out and people think that that perfection is something that's attainable. And it's, it's not really obtainable because it's not real, you know, and I want girls to understand that. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me of uh, the Olympic runner, Lauren Fleshman, who has quite a following on the internet and has a very refined sense of humor. And she put up some pictures of herself uh, doing a photo shoot. And, you know, the, the final picture, the cover image, 
showed her walking down the runway modeling this workout gear and she was completely ripped with the six pack and just glistening and then she showed um, the very next day she took another picture casual at her house with the wrong lighting and without all the um, the, the, the makeup and all that and she, she showed this tremendous disparity between what you see in the magazine and who she really is or I guess you know at her best and at her normal mm, and it was, it was a good point yeah and so you know, after after 250 photographs are taken and they take the very best one, and anyone's going to look magical. But it's absolutely it, you know, it's 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 not not the biggest meaning. And so, as you thumb through the pages of this book, that's what struck me was these you know sentiments that came right from your heart, telling these girls, the reader, so directly and powerfully, and also some great photography in there too. That you know this is this is kind of exposing all this stuff for being a ruse. Right. Totally. Not to mention your your own uh, little section here where you have the the before and after. But wait, is it before, after, before, after, and before? I, I'm getting confused it, <laughs> with the pictures there. Yeah, um, I was definitely a notorious yo-yo dieter from I would say high school on, and that's you know that's reflected in in my story. You know, I'll go from. Um, in high school, 115 pounds, you know, up to like 130 and back down and back up. And, you know, that's that's just kind of the game that I played, um, unfortunately. And I'm hoping that, you know, teen girls can see this and avoid that because <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a healthy process. And, um, you know, it, it's, it was bad for my body and bad for my self-esteem, you know, at the same time. Right. So how did you um, manage to go that route? I mean, what were the influences and the driving factors that got you into this yo-yo dieting pattern? Well, I think um, most of it started with the fact that my goals were to lose body fat and to just be the, the tiniest human being that I could be because that's that's what I thought it took to be happy. So I just always wanted to be you know, skinny. Like that was just my goal. That was the goal of everyone that I knew that that was just kind of the norm. Um, so I always did the, the low fat restricted calorie, um, you know, the 200 calories a day diet basically where three meals a day, 300 calories each and a snack in between each meal, 150 calories. Like that's what I did. I didn't pay any attention to the nutrition of that diet. I was just looking at basically eating as little as I could. And it's funny because I can flip through, you know, old notebooks and see just pages of numbers. And to the untrained eye, it might look like just a bunch of math problems. But really, I was tracking calories like a maniac. Like that's all that mattered to me. And, um, you know, my goal was 1200 calories a day. But oftentimes I would see that I'd only eat like five or 600 calories a day. And that's, I mean, that's insane. So obviously I would stick to that for a while and then my body just couldn't take it anymore. And I would eat bad again. I would go to McDonald's. I would go to Wendy's. Um, I would eat garbage at two o'clock in the morning because I just couldn't handle eating that little bit. So, you know, that's kind of where the, the pattern started. Yeah, you know, Mark Mark's mentioned this point on a few of the podcasts about when you're when you're doing such a traumatic behavior to your body, your brain has, sends you a very strong signal that you're depleting yourself mm-hmm. and you're undernourished and so 
you know, good luck to any yo-yo diet or trying an extreme diet because th- those binges for you heading out in, in the middle of the night to the fast food, um, that's a biological drive that's probably important to listen to and to satisfy. You need to get extra calories in and it probably wasn't fun at the time or, you know, the dieter always feels bad when they break the diet, but maybe they should embrace the idea that, A, something's wrong in the first place and B, this is their body's valiant and, and desperate attempt to regulate and to get the energy they need. Right. And and I was totally blind to those things back then. Um, I looked at it as, you know, a lack of willpower, you know, and that only made the problem worse because it made me feel worse about myself. And it goes back to, you know, how I'm saying that I think that we need to be happy first because I wasn't happy. And it was just this vicious cycle that, you know, one bad failed diet after another, after another, after another. And um, eventually it got even worse. Um, And I don't mention this in the book, but um, my yo-yo dieting led me to be a vegetarian for almost a year. And, um, Wow, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I know. The way that that happened was um, I always thought that I just didn't really like meat. Um, I always felt like it was too rich and that I just didn't prefer it. Um, But looking back now, I can tell that it was just that I, I was so addicted to carbohydrates that that's all I wanted to eat was carbs and starches and grains. Um, Cause I, I really, I was very addicted, but I noticed a week had gone by that I hadn't eaten any meat. And so I thought, Hey, you know, I'm on a streak here. I should stick to this. Um, because of course I thought all animal products were fattening. And, um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I should just stick to this. Maybe this is how I will finally lose that weight. And, um, it was easy to do at first, you know, because, you know, I go to a restaurant, I always would get a vegetarian option anyway, because mm, carbs, like, why wouldn't I want to order a plate full of carbs? So, um, I stuck with that for a while. And I think when I started, I was probably, you know, about 130 pounds, um, which is totally fine. I'm, I'm five, five. That's, that's not really overweight, but I dropped down to 121 pounds when I was vegetarian and I couldn't understand why I looked in the mirror and I still saw a fat person. You know, I, I'm, I'm a curvy girl. I have, I have hips, I have thighs. The rest of me is kind of scrawny, but it's really, you know, just because of lack of muscle, that's something to this day that I'm still working on is building muscle. But it got to the point where it was the 4th of July. It was 121 pounds. um, And some friends and I went out to Palm Springs. And for those of you listening that don't know about Palm Springs in July, it's hot. Um, It was probably 110 degrees. And yet I was cold. And that in itself should have like, sent a a signal like, Hey, Leslie, you're doing something wrong here. But I just didn't think much of it being cold in July and 110 degrees, you know, and I was, I was also sick at the time, but I couldn't figure out why, (laughs) you know, as I'm sitting in front of my plate of, um, you know, a veggie burger and some other vegetarian junk food, I'm sure it just, it didn't click. And then, um, I started to care less about my diet. Uh, I stopped eating, you know, all the veggies that I should have been eating um, and really kind of stuck to the the vegetarian junk food. And I think that in itself was just me yo-yo dieting yet again, but still sticking to being vegetarian. So I'd roll into like Whole Foods and, you know, load up. I would 
eat all the vegetarian pizza and cookies and junk food and, you know, bonus points if it's vegan, man, that's really healthy. And I ballooned. I got up to probably, you know, 135 pounds or more. Um, and it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm vegetarian. This should be working. And um, obviously it wasn't. And that's when I kind of started to realize, okay, <laughs> maybe I need to stop this. I'm gaining a ton of weight. My skin is horrendous. Um, when I do fall asleep at night, it's, it's not good quality sleep. So I decided to break vegetarianism the night before Thanksgiving. And, um, nice. <laughs> and what did I break it with? Arby's. <laughs> quality, after, quality. After, after almost a year of being a vegetarian, I decide a turkey market fresh sandwich is the way to go. How did that, <laughs> how did that agree with your body? Um, you know, I was really scared at first because um, I'd been toying with the idea of bringing meat back into my diet. Um, but, you know, I start researching it. And depending on where you look online, you're, you're going to hear horror stories or you're going to hear success stories. So, you know, I, I read a lot of different stuff. So I was not sure what to expect, but it was fine. I ate it and felt no different. So for those listeners picking up this whole story Let's talk about what was going on when you when you went vegetarian and you were uh, avoiding the fats in your diet and just pounding the carbs. What was happening was your body was starting to produce an excessive amount of insulin, which leads to fat storage, even if you're not consuming uh, a lot of fat in the diet. And that's an important point that you explain in really simple terms that'll help uh, the young reader that might not have all the uh, the biology, the physiology uh, in the backstory to understand in a simple manner why eating fat doesn't make you fat and why doing an extreme diet pattern like the uh, the, the low-calorie vegetarian efforts can really mess you up. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were cold in Palm Springs, that uh, sounds like a sign of that your hormones were getting thrown off because you were malnourished and not getting a balanced diet. Exactly. It was a wreck. <laughs> And you talk about on your your personal story and um, on page 26, you're talking about when you went off to college and had that common occurrence of uh, putting on weight when you go away from home and find the, the great coffee shops and, and treat <laughs> shops around campus. Oh, yes. You know, I, I say um, you're like a kid in a candy store literally when you go off to college because you just have access to everything. I mean, the, the cafeterias on campus and they're not trying to help you out there. <laughs> yeah, and the, the most alarming thing to me was when you write in here that on the on the days you didn't have class, you slept all day. Oh and my god, I was a wreck. I <laughs> I actually had my neighbor um, when I lived up in Bowling Green comment. He was um, an instructor, so he would leave to go teach class at like eight something in the morning, and he'd be gone for a few hours, and he would come back, and he would comment that he would hear my alarm clock going off in the morning before he left for class. And when he would come back hours later, it would still be going off. Oh, nice. And he thought that, you know, I often left it on um, and went to class and forgot to turn it off or something. I'm like, no, I, I literally was in bed that whole time. <laughs> Sleeping hard. Well, I guess that's, you know, a good sign that you were able to get that sleep, but it, it is an indication. And I think it's more common than we realize that young people who are being pushed hard and challenged with, you know, an intensive study load and not following good dietary habits and good sleeping habits are exhausted. Right. No, I could sleep for 12 hours or more and still not feel rested because I just wasn't repairing 
while I was sleeping the way that I should be. Right. And I think that's the case. Uh, I mean, I, I was an athlete in college and I was constantly sleeping and not feeling refreshed and energized. And so when you start this story with the emphatic statement that, you know, the first goal is to be happy and balance and all those things rather than get into the mechanics and worry about your calorie counting and your yeah. journaling and all that. I think that's an excellent starting point because then the, 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 the reader, the young person can realize that eating healthy, nutritious food and eating to the point where they feel satisfied and, and full pleasure um, is the, in fact, the actual path to success. Right. And as soon as I figured that out, the yo-yo dieting stopped. You know, and I think that that speaks to this. Like, if you can be happy, that's the great beginning to your journey. Uh, so you've had a good chance to engage with real live young humans, right? With your success stories that you solicited and, and what other um, venues and social media have you had to build this community even before the books come out? Yeah, um, the success stories for starters were amazing. I had a lot of girls submit stories that, I mean, they were breathtaking, you know, and, and I feel like there's such a good variety because you'll have some girls that, you know, they they became primal because their mom did and they wanted to do it together and they just have this great support team and so much success. But then on the other hand, you have girls that, you know, they, they did this on their own. They don't really have, you know, strong family or friends or anyone that's, that's there for them, but they knew that this was something that they wanted to do. So they empower themselves. And I think that's really great for um, any girl that's going to get this book to see that not everyone has the same story. And that I think that there's a story for every girl in there. If, if you don't have the support or if you do or, you know, what your problems are, everyone's been there, you know, and it's, it's so good to talk to people about their problems because, you know, it just goes back to saying, like, you're not alone in this. And I think it makes it easier on people. Well, that's nice. You actually talk to that particular category directly saying, hey, look, you might not get the support from your peers and your family right. and how to deal with it if you're, if you're getting pushback in, in your real world. Right. Yeah, because not everything's perfect. As much as we want it to be, it's not. So you just have to find a way to make what you want work for you. So for the listener, let, let's say we're, we have a, an audience of adult listeners and also hopefully a bunch of teenage girl listeners. If you're, if you're an adult and you're into this and you have a daughter or someone in your family that's young, would this be a good gift idea to, to give to someone? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's great, too, because, you know, a lot of adults um, I'm hearing have been reading this and they're learning a lot. So I think it's a really great opportunity um, to have a bonding moment. You know, if there are adults out there that want to get their kids on board and that they themselves might even want to learn a little bit more like this is a great thing for, you know, those the parent child connection. Like, let's do this together. You know, I think I think it's really awesome. Yeah, and it seems to me, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a male and I have a, I have a daughter, a teenage daughter, um, and it seems like this book dispenses a lot of parenting advice for me because not being a girl and, and not having that natural, um, you know, connection of having been through this myself, right. but, but here's my daughter and I can get a sense of what it's like to be a teenage girl growing up, and I think that was a really helpful element of the book as a, as a, as a father reading it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've had guys too say the same thing. And that's, I love hearing that. So how can the young reader connect with you? Uh, you have your um, Facebook or Instagram. What's your, what's your big deal? 
Yeah, um, I'm on all of the social media platforms. Um, right now, Instagram is the one that I've been hitting the most. I have all of the things. <laughs> so I've got the Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'll be developing my Google Plus and all that as time goes. Um, I have a website, which is leslieklinky.com. Um, people can connect with me any of those places. I'm everywhere. So they can find me. And I, I love um, talking to, to everyone, teens and adults alike. Um, I get a lot of feedback on my Instagram. And and I love hearing what people think of my recipes, what they think of the book itself. It's been really great. So yeah, they can they can contact me anywhere. Right, right. The book, I forgot to say that all this practical advice and these nicely organized chapters and the success stories, but um, the, a ton of recipes in the back too and fun ones, not like the usual lengthy pull your hair out, boy, this is so <laughs> difficult, but quick ones that kids can really have a good time making. Yeah, I wanted them to feel empowered that, you know, they can go into the kitchen and cook something. I think the cooking is such a vital skill to have when adults tell me they don't know how to cook. It kind of blows me away. I feel like that that's something that everyone should know how to do because it's, it's how you take care of yourself. So I want kids to feel comfortable in the kitchen. And I really focused on foods that I thought um, would be helpful for teens, you know, pizza and burgers and stuff like that, that, you know, they may eat a lot of now and feel like, you know, I can't be primal because I can't get rid of these things. Well, you don't have to. There's a lot of ways you can alter recipes and, and meal ideas to fit your taste, but still be healthy. I also have some um, DIY beauty products in there because when I was younger, my girlfriends and I would always get together, we'd have little slumber parties and all of our moms had home remedy books and we just loved getting together and making, you know, different things in there, you know, facial cleansers or things for sunburn and stuff like that. It was just something really fun that we liked to do together. And so I thought it would be a lot of fun to have that in this book. Yeah, I have to say too, on this recording, you know, the um, voice calibration patterns, your voice is absolutely <laughs> perfect on every different uh, decibel and nuance. Is this something that you're professional at or something? Well, <laughs> I try. Um, I have gone... Um, I've gone to school for voiceover. Um, and it's funny because I, I had to start with commercial work, which I never thought that commercial voiceover would be something that I would be into because really I just had a bunch of goofy voices that I could do. And I thought it'd be really fun, you know, to do cartoons. But you got to start with the basics as with anything. So, yeah, I started with commercial stuff and it was a lot of fun. And and so I've just kind of stuck with it. And um Recording the audiobook for for Paleo Girl was interesting uh, because I'm very used to much shorter, you know, little commercial spots type of of stuff, and to read an entire book without stumbling over yourself is very different. <laughs> but it was oh, a fun yeah. process. Your voice actually gets tired, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> That's why we have our master Brock Armstrong making everybody sound great, taking out all the. Uh, the cracking and the dragging. Uh, so you're into voiceover. I know you've had a, a nice long career in Los Angeles in graphic design. And we should give a shout out to Liz Mostetti too, where the story starts back in oh, Ohio. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about how you two, you two pals came out west to Los Angeles to pursue your dreams and where everything's ended up right now. Okay, good. Because I love this story. I was hoping I would be able to tell it. And I know that um, that Liz and Farhad are actually going to be doing a podcast as well. So hopefully I don't take too much wind out of their sails. 
But yeah, Liz and I, we're both from Ohio. Um, I didn't actually know her when I lived in Ohio. We didn't really meet until we were both out here, but um, we had a mutual friend. And so Liz and I, um, we have a really similar background. And so we both were, you know, yo-yo dieters that we were doing all the crazy low calorie vegetarian. We did all that stuff together. So um, it was actually, let's see, it was right before my birthday that um, my birthday's in March. I discovered Primal and I had a friend that was still back in Ohio that on Facebook, she kept talking about eating eggs eggs and bacon for breakfast and all this crazy stuff that didn't make any sense to me. And um, she had this weird graphic on her Facebook that I didn't know what it was, but now I understand that it was grok. So I asked her about it. You know, I finally took the bait. I'm like, what is all this stuff that you're talking about? And she quickly broke down what, um, what Primal Blueprint was and sent me over to Mark's Daily Apple. So I read about all about it and thought, wow, this actually makes sense. And it was like that first moment that like the light bulb went off and I was like, oh, like there's another way to eat. Um, So it all made a ton of sense to me. And um, so at my birthday party, Liz came and I'm like, hey, like I just discovered this new lifestyle. It all makes so much sense. Um, You know, I, I gave her the basics of it and, you know, her light bulb went off and we're like, wow, this is amazing. But of course, you know, don't start the diet until Monday because it was my birthday and we were ha- we were at a wine tasting party. Like, so, you know, we ate bad that weekend, but then starting Monday, you know, we wanted to start this, this diet. So she, uh, she actually got the book, I think like that week after I told her about it. And, um, she was uh, unhappy one day at work. And as most of us do when we're unhappy at work, later that day, we will search Craigslist looking for a new job. And um, she stumbled upon a listing for Primal Nutrition. And she told me about this. And it was just like, well, of course you're going to get this job because there's no other way that it could be. Uh, So we just, um, we talked about, you know, how it must be a sign that, you know, I had introduced this diet to her and now she sees this job posting. So she applied, got an interview, um, I believe with Mark and you, Brad, and um, she got the job. And so that really, that changed our our path. Um, we were already doing the primal thing, but once she was part of the company, I mean, that gave us access to so much more information. And that's kind of how the connection came about too for me to later write this book because she was the one initially that asked if I'd be interested in doing a kid's book. So, you know, full circle, (laughs) full circle. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk to her on, on the podcast, but for now, that was a wonderful discussion. I think that anyone who picks up this book, Paleo Girl will be tremendously satisfied and the audio audio book will be for sale on amazon.com shortly as well as um, directly from primalblueprint.com so as leslie mentioned her starting point why don't you go visit leslieklinky.com and get involved and get connected it's l-e-s-l-i-e-k-l-e-n-k-e.com leslie thank you so much for joining us on the primal blueprint podcast thank you so much brad have a great day. Thank you for listening. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs>
Hey, podcasts are great, but how about a life-changing weekend at PrimalCon? Coming up is the historic occasion of our fifth annual event in Oxnard that's on the beach in Southern California at the amazing Embassy Suites Mandalay Beach Resort. It's about an hour north of Los Angeles, one of the best-kept secrets in Southern California, this resort right on the sands of the beautiful beach town of Oxnard. And we have an amazing park there, an expanse of grass and all kinds of fun stuff to play on. So we'll be spending a fun weekend outdoors with an awesome slate of presenters talking and presenting on all manner of physical activity, diet, health, nutrition, posture and movement mechanics, all kinds of topics covered. So you'll get a great education from the world's leading experts, but we'll also have a ton of fun and excitement. Of course, we're going to play the annual Survivor Team Challenge, just like you see on TV, except this one is more fun, more challenging. It includes brain teasers and good team strategy challenges. We're also going to have, of course, the world-famous PrimalCon Ocean Plunge slash Jacuzzi Sprint. So you're going to run into the pretty cold ocean, guaranteed. And then about a two-minute sprint where we take over the entire jacuzzi at the Mandalay Beach Resort. People look at us like we're crazy, but it's tons of fun. And then we're going to dine on the all-time fabulous PrimalCon food, which you can see all kinds of pictures of on the website. So visit PrimalBlueprint.com. Look for the PrimalCon link. You can see pictures and videos chronicling the wonderful times we've had in Oxnard over the past four years. And we certainly hope you can join us for the fifth annual PrimalCon Oxnard, September 25th through 28th, 2014.